I have a question for you. What are you so filled up with that you are spilling that thing over into your circle of impact? Or what are you so filled with that it's leaking over um, from your cracks? I I am Krista O'Reilly Davidigi, founder of a life in progress.ca and rebranding middleage.com. Welcome. My work is for freedom seekers, truth tellers, and stubborn questioners, highly sensitive souls, slow movers, and non-hustlers. The anxious, grieving, weary, and healing, reforming people pleasers, perfectionists, performers, and peacekeepers. Brave, messy, curious humans ready to quiet the conditioning and noise to reclaim freedom, wholeness, and joy. So I'm I'm back here with you for season two of the Rebranding Middle Age podcast. Um, I have a handful of super duper rough notes, but I decided to practice imperfect action and show up. Um, publishing late anyway. I've had a lot going on in my life. And honestly, I'm going to roll with it because I feel like it's fitting. Um, This season is really about joy. And I'm going to explore it from all sorts of different angles. I want to have fun with it. (laughs) Um, And maybe I'll have some conversations with other people. But life is messy. And The last week of my life has proven that yet again, as though I needed one more um, bit of evidence, but life is messy. And if we're going to be filled up with joy and spill joy over, then we're going to have to figure out how to do that amid the messiness. As I like to say, when we make um, peace with messiness, we make space for joy. So today I'm going to share about nine points um, just things that are helping me cultivate a lifestyle of joy. Um, yeah, so, but back to my original question, what are you so filled with that you're spilling over? This is sort of the foundational question this year inside my brave and beautiful community. And I've asked the members to consider this for themselves. Like, what do you want to be filled with? What do you think you're already spilling over or leaking over? you know, consciously or not into your circle of impact. And by circle of impact, I mean like everyone whose lives you touch, you know, that could be family, friends, workplace, neighbors, anywhere that you are engaging in the world. I think we're all spilling something over. And I also think that it's helpful to bring awareness to the reality of what is because only when we bring awareness to something do we have power of choice to, to change it. So I'm clear, even though there are times it just feels out to lunch or honestly impossible, like um, sometimes the gap feels really big between where I'm sitting and this idea of being so filled up with joy that that is what I spill over into the world around me. 
um, on a consistent basis. But anyway, so today, this is sort of a messy conversation. But um, again, I would like to share nine quick points, quickish, that contribute to me consciously choosing and cultivating a lifestyle of joy. The first is learning to trust my, well, I do trust my body and it's an ongoing practice. So um, you may be sort of at the stage where you're really just learning how to even begin trusting your body. Um, but part of that for me is, is listening when my body says no, listening when I, I can see that there's a, or feel that there's a boundary violation listening when I am filled with anxiety and instead of pushing through, I need to attend to the truth of what is. Um, so moving at the pace of my nervous system, moving at my honest to goodness capacity, in spite of all the shiny ideas and all my plans, sometimes my body just says, Hey lady, this isn't working. And it's a practice for me to honor what I hear. And I, you know, having said that, there are times where there are deadlines or situations that you just, you have to act one way or another, right? And I'm not dismissing that. So I'm really focusing on all of the other 80% of times where I can make even a small shift to pause, slow down, attend to whatever I need, I need. So this week, for instance, um, on the last week or week and a half, my fairly new laptop died and it was, uh, ha had to be completely reset. And I've spent about 13 to 15 hours in the last days trying to get things running. My audio and video drivers are messed up and on and on, um, you know, I wouldn't call that a joyful experience, but allowing myself to just take things slowly and trust that it's going to get figured out, rearrange things in my schedule, or just doing things imperfectly like I am here today, that helps. Um, I kind of spontaneously decided to bring home a new rescue kitten. He's been with me a week and a half. And um, and it's, he's just little, so I haven't slept as well as normally, um, he's needed some, you know, vet appointments and stuff, but I mean, overall, he's a joyful addition to my home and, um, but it was, I, I leapt into that and it just kind of messed with my plans a little bit. Monday was my son's death date and, um, it always takes a lot out of me. And it's an ongoing practice for me to figure out how do I do work in life and honor my body, my spirit, um, my, you know, the grief that needs to be attended to. Um, yeah, it's just a work in progress and every year changes so far. So I just keep trying to be gentle and listen and then kind of look ahead to the year, next year and, and take note of a couple things that I think might better support me next year. But I shared with a friend that um, 
Tuesday morning, it was almost, it felt like I had a hangover, no drinking involved, just, I think an emotional hangover. <laughs> There's a lot of emotion involved in navigating significant dates like this. And, um, yeah. So anyways, there's been other things going on, but all to say, you know, that's why this podcast was not published at 6am and it's a little more disorganized than I would have um, originally, you know, planned for. But trusting my body is definitely one of the things that supports me in building, cultivating a lifestyle of joy. Lots of rest and spaciousness um, apart from trusting my body. Cause yeah, my body will speak up when it needs to, if I'm not resting enough, but just separate from that, recognizing that we all need rest. We all need breathing room and we resist it. We do live in a culture that really doesn't celebrate that very much. You know, people taking care of themselves well, and um, and we have lots of maybe ideas and projects and bills to pay and people to love and all the things. And it is challenging. We actually have to be really intentional about building rest into our day, our week, our quarter or season and our year. And that is something that I practice and it's something that I encourage often in my client work and in my community is that we at least once a year, we pull out, you know, a calendar for the year ahead and we proactively build rest and spaciousness into our lives. It's going to require check-ins because it's really easy to kind of bypass those things and, um, and we'll need to be reinforcing that practice regularly. But that is my second really important habit which supports a lifestyle of joy. Um, tending to my health and home and relationships. I could have separated those, but I'm just kind of lumping that all together. That has felt really important to me. I do think there are seasons we tilt one way, tilt or seasons we tilt a different way. Like there might be a season of life in which you tilt a little far into work. Um, there might be another season of life in which you tilt over into nesting and building a family like um but for me as a slow mover non-hustler highly sensitive human um and with some you know having dealt dealt with or lived with and learned how to love myself well with some chronic conditions this foundational stuff is is it can't be neglected. It doesn't, it can never be secondary, really. Um, so a foundation of calm and well-being in my home, my primary relationships and my health, the the habits around these things, and of course there are many, um, but just ensuring that every week I'm I'm noticing, you know, what do I need in these areas of life and making space for them really helps me with that lifestyle of joy. If if my health is being ignored, I'm going to it's like having, um, you know, a bucket with all these leaks in it. It's hard to fill up at all. Um, 
in my primary relationships, if there's something that, and I really just mean like my, especially my inner circle, which is really my children and my husband. Um, if those relationships, if there's something that I, you know, um, I don't do this because my nervous system doesn't really allow me to sleep otherwise, but um, like say there's an unresolved issue, something that is needs to be said that I've been avoiding or whatever, those things need to be attended to. They, they lay that foundation of health and they, and they fill, they shore up the leaks in my life so that I can fill up with joy meaningful work or meaning um, definitely contributes to joy. And, you know, later in the season, like there's a lot of science around a lot of these things. And I want to, I want to sort of pick out threads of things and go deeper into it. So it's not everything is surface level uh, so that you are potentially convinced of why some of these things are truly important for your life. Um, actually, no, I'm not really interested in convincing anybody, um, but but yeah, but I do love the science. I think it's helpful. It's encouraging for me so that when I don't feel like following through on something, I'm reminded of the why behind it. But a sense of meaning in general seems to really be a joy factor for people. It And um, it has an impact on longevity and well-being overall. And um, meaningful work and contribution are one of those anchors in my life that really hold me steady through the storms of life I do need to be careful like probably everybody to maintain good boundaries between work and life and I've heard from other small business owners that it's a common thing like when you have a small heart-centered business so to speak and and or work from home work can leak over into you know, the fullness of life. And I don't want that to be so like, I love my work and, and a lot of the learning I do for fun supports my work, but I need spaces in my life that are just about having fun, just about curiosity, or just about kind of playful experimentation and being detached from productivity or completely detached from a sense of um, needing to, yeah, get something done or serve other people even, just about filling up. Um, all right, so walking out my values is huge in my life. And I'm not sure, I, I suspect I talked about this in an episode in season one, Um if I remember, I'll find a link to that and add it um, in the show notes, but no promises because today I might just get this live and that's good enough for this week. Um, but walking on my values is another core anchor. Um, it, it quiets the noise in my body and my life because um, there are so many things we could be doing and we can't do them all. Our energy is finite. Our attention is finite. And having my core values as a filter for how I spend my days and my finite energy, um, it, well, it, it really, it decreases anxiety and stress and leaves more room for joy, frankly. 
it reminds me as well that yeah the world is big and noisy there's a lot of need um there's a lot of pain and it's okay that i one human on this planet cannot meet all the needs and so it serves me as blinders you know it helps me focus and keep my attention on well what can i do like what is the gift i have to offer what is the difference i can make in my circle of impact um where you know where should i be spending my money and um and energy attention which i've already said and yeah it just limits the scope and in doing so it it creates more spaciousness in my body my mind my life um taking risks slash practicing imperfect action like I'm doing here right now is huge for me. So I am what I would consider a recovering perfectionist. Enneagram one type. Um, I've lived a lot of my life in the past trying to control um, everything to feel safer in my body and my life. I've done a lot of healing work, a lot of growth work. So I live in a more flexible place, mostly. If I'm weary and really afraid or hurting, I can see my tendency to tip back over into some of those old habits, which is okay. Um, but being aware of it is certainly helpful. Um, but if I wouldn't if if I didn't risk and I didn't dive into my work even willing to just be messy and imperfect I'd get nothing done I wouldn't have started my business I wouldn't write a book I wouldn't serve my clients I wouldn't be chatting here on this a very imperfect podcast I wouldn't do things that are fun um I wouldn't step out of my comfort zone and learn new things I wouldn't have made some of the relationships that bring a lot of joy to my life because it all requires risk and it all requires a willingness to say yes to uncertainty, you know, to holding it all loosely and not being able to control the outcome, but learning how to do this and and practicing imperfect action day by day honestly has like just skyrocketed my my joy and my well-being and my delight in life and my ability to even kind of scan forward and see joyful possibility ahead of me, even knowing that, you know, some of the heartache is not, it's part of life as well, you know? Um, yeah. So, but taking risks and practicing imperfect action is huge in my life and supports me in a lifestyle of joy. I touched on this, but the next point is really just staying flexible and holding plans loosely 
And this is really part of emotional regulation and resilience. So um, emotional regulation, it requires of us, or a, a part of that is learning how to flex. Um, and, and resilience as well looks like flexing or tilting so that we don't break. We can bend, but not break. Um, it's not necessarily protective of all heartache and pain, but it helps us, like I said, kind of flex or bend without breaking or being destroyed and then slow and steady finding our way back to that sort of quote unquote center. Um, but when I, when I started my business, I remember so clearly learning well, I don't know if I had learned it earlier, but certainly it was like front and center learning or the practice rather of holding it loosely. So now that comes a lot more naturally. Um, honestly, it's, uh, I think it's fair to say that it's kind of my new instinct and it has been for years now, but um, is, you know, I still need to practice it over and over, but, you know, it's like create, I love to plan. Right. And I, and and the planning actually is joyful in and of itself for me. And it's also soul honoring because if I slow down and I plan thoughtfully and I sift in that planning and I get honest in that planning um, and I and I get really clear on okay, what's most important and is this values on everything that helps me move forward with more clarity and confidence but also it's more likely that I will be able to do the thing because of my energy level and because of how like what I need in the world to be able to thrive so you know so yeah so that the planning is all part of honoring my capacity and my wiring so that I can move forward in the things that light me up, which brings me joy. But again, for me, um, planning on its own is actually a joyful process and it isn't for everybody, of course, but so, but yeah, so, you know, I plan and then I hold it loosely because again, what this does is show me that what I can focus on, what I have power over is my daily habits or my small choices the one step i take today like showing up for this podcast in spite of sort of everything else that was going on over the past week or week and a half i don't control the outcome i don't control if you like it or not i don't control what you think of me and that's not in my business frankly i don't control you know um yeah so i don't control sort of how many downloads or if my podcast will, you know, interest people or whatever. But what I do control is my choice to follow curiosity and to, to practice imperfect action and to say yes to the adventure and take one little step at a time and grow in progress. So, yeah, so holding our the, the outcome loosely is 
is again, one of those huge things that really helps me live with far greater joy. And I really do believe spill joy over because then I show up to my workshops and my membership calls and everything with so much more openness and curiosity um, because part of my brain is not focused on, oh my God, what do they think of me? What if, what if this, what if that? Like all the possible negative things that could happen in this big wide world. And instead I just show up more present and open and curious and willing to be here and trusting that I have a lot of wisdom I've built up and I, in the moment, if I, if there's a challenge, I will respond in wisdom. So one, two, three, three more points here I wanted to share around cultivating a lifestyle of joy. One of them is this, um, is truth telling regular check-ins to practice truth telling about what is working, what is not working well in my life, and then choosing my response. So we daily, weekly, quarterly, yearly check-ins, just like I build those rest times into my day, week, season. Um, I refer to season versus quarter, but that's really what I'm talking about here. Um, and then my year, you know, building rest throughout. I also build in these checkpoints where I'm pausing to listen inward. If we want to hear our inner wisdom or our inner voice, we have to make space to do so. It doesn't happen by accident. As that relationship is strengthened, you know, yeah, like our intuition or that inner voice, like it will speak up no matter what else is going on. But we have to build and cultivate that relationship. Just like my marriage, if we only chatted once a year, it would not be very intimate. You know, um, I think we'd be on wobbly ground. And I believe the same is uh, the same goes with my relationship to myself, my friendship with myself. If I want to be able to hear my inner voice and that inner wisdom and leading um, and that truth, then I need to pause and check in. So for me, the, the daily check-in is shorter, the weekly check-in a little bit longer. Like for me, it's about an hour. Um, in the quarter, I set aside like a weekend or even a long weekend. And then in my year, I have two weeks at my birthday. I may, it doesn't mean I necessarily am not working at all in those two weeks, but I like to take at least one week off. And then again, halfway through the year, um, at kind of the Yule season, kind of end of year before the new year. I also love to check in at that time. That's where I'll do some visioning work, um, and some deeper kind of listening and truth telling. But if you, if we wait for once a year, we will be dismissing so much information along the way. So when I have these more regular check-ins built into my life, I really get, I hear things like I recognize, oh, there's a boundary issue there. Um, oh, this is something actually that I need to become more vigilant around, say maybe it's a health habit. 
Um, little things might pop up like, oh, I forgot, you know, I need to send out an appointment, a dentist appointment or whatever. Like just from small to big things, it, these are just opportunities for me to be checking in and ensuring that I am truly building the life I want. I am showing up to life who and how I want to be. I'm in alignment with my values. Um, I am making space for joy. I'm not getting too far off track, so to speak, in any area of my life. Um, okay, so self-compassion. I'm not going to speak a lot here. Again, there I shared an episode in the previous season around self-compassion. I just want to say that heaps and heaps and abundance of self-compassion always serves me well. And when I am grounded in self-compassion and self-compassion is my instinct, it improves all of my relationships. It improves my work. Um, I see other people differently, just like I see myself differently. You know, I can witness all my strength and struggle and hold it all without shame and judgment. And it allows me to do that in my relationships with far more ease as well. So that's all I'm going to say there uh, for now. Okay, finally, um, joy snacks I want to talk about with you. I may or may not have mentioned this before. I don't know. I know I've mentioned it in my brave and beautiful community, but I want to talk about what the heck a joy snack is and why it supports a lifestyle of joy. So, um, so where do I want to start? I think I want to start here. If we want a life, say, that we feel good in, and I always say, like, I want to feel safe at home and joyful in my body and my life. So if I want to bring that to fruition, um, I can't just wait for one perfect day somewhere in the future where all the moving pieces are going to align and the sun is going to shine down bright on me and, you know, there will be like, you know, I don't know, sparkles and unicorns. I can't just wait for this one big vacation, then I'll be happy. I can't just defer happiness or well-being to some magical day when, I don't know, whatever the thing is that I judge myself for um, no longer exists. We need to build, like I said, the rest into our life on a regular basis, joy into our life on a regular basis. We build healthy, um, joyful habits into our lives and connection and all, all the things, right, into our life on a regular basis. Um, you know, so I guess that's something that not everybody does. Like a lot of people do are still in that kind of mindset of I'll be happy when one day I'll be happy. You know, if I wasn't struggling in this area, then I could be kind to myself. And all of that type of deferring is problematic. It robs us of joy and well-being today. Again, my premise is when we make peace with messiness, we make space for joy. So there's no waiting. There is no waiting. I get to be kind to myself today. 
Um, I get to scan for joy and beauty today. I practice gratitude day and night, no matter what else is happening around me. And those things fill me up. So joy snacks are about attuning to the lovely little sparkles or bits of joy or beauty or awe or calm or, you know, loveliness that are already present in our everyday, even ordinary lives. Many of us, most of us can probably find some of these, even in the darkest seasons. And it's interesting that you know, happiness research, for instance, shows us that often the assumptions we make, like if I have more money, I would be happier. They're, they're, they're proven false because there are a whole lot of people with, you know, so much money they could never spend it who are unhappy. And there are people living in poverty who spill joy over and 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 this isn't an argument this isn't a conversation about how much money is required for well-being or anything although i love those conversations but um it's about challenging our assumptions and our root stories those root stories and beliefs that often keep us in either stuck, like waiting for someday, or um, unhappy, or in shame, and judgment, and perfectionism. So um, Richard Seema, I'm pretty sure, I didn't double check before getting on this call, but I'm pretty sure he is actually the original kind of source of this. Um, so I'm sort of reading a little bit from an article published November 17th, 2022, called Want to Feel Happier? Try Snacking on Joy. Um, globalnews.ca and the Washington Post have both published articles about this, but I'm pretty sure Richard Seema is Canadian. Um, so he let's see, he talked about mindfully tuning into the pleasant, nice, and sometimes routine experiences of every day. Um, things like lunch with a coworker who you enjoy, walking the dog, texting a friend, watching a favorite show, eating a favorite meal, um, just hanging out. For me, it's like that morning French press and my whole morning ritual that I love and feels really grounding. All of these kind of smallish things that are already present in our lives we often bypass them we don't we don't soak in them we don't even notice them because we have this natural negativity bias and Richard Seema doesn't talk about the negativity bias but there's a whole lot of people out there who do um so we have this natural negativity bias and we have to consciously cultivate or soak in the goodness of life and um and and really savor it so finding and savoring these nuggets of joy richard sema writes can be a way of consistently cultivating a good meaningful life um just scanning here the article for little bits and pieces um I'll link to an article or two about this in the show notes though I may not do it immediately I may do it next week but um, 
So a February study published in Nature Human Behavior involving more than 3,000 participants across multiple experiments reported that valuing one's life experiences or experiential appreciation is another potent way of making life feel more meaningful. So this is in and of itself a conversation that could be had separately as a podcast episode. And I may or may not do that, but just a few more little things here. Um, so what we want is to scan our lives, our ordinary lives for these little happy or lovely, um, pleasurable or comforting, um, you know, choose your adjective moments and simply savor them, like be fully present in them for 30 seconds or five minutes and notice the emotions that arise in your body. Notice the sensations that arise in your body when you're soaking this in. And it really, what happens is it's almost like an imprint, a deeper imprint that counters that negativity bias. Um, it also, side note, again, this isn't from Richard Seema, this is just my little side note. It helps us learn safety in different types of emotions or emotional experiences. So we may have a tendency to avoid certain emotional experiences. So I've shared before that joy is considered the most vulnerable um, human emotion. Um, we often don't feel safe experiencing joy. So that's why like if joy feels out of um, like not accessible right now, it's okay. Just think about whatever does feel more accessible, like things that feel comforting or pleasant or calming or whatever. So we do need to actually learn safety in a variety of emotions so that we don't automatically go to ones that are more, like they feel safer to us and it, it seems weird, but sometimes anger or even fear or distrust or whatever, those are actually safer. They feel safer. Another part of this that I, you know, again, part of my own side note is that joy is a higher intensity emotion and it can, so it's more activating so there are lower intensity emotions, higher intensity emotions, and we all tend to have a bit of a comfort zone somewhere in the mix. Um, and 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 what all I want to say here, like you could you could learn more about the autonomic nervous system if you want to. Um, Dr. Mark Brackett shares a mood meter which can help you learn more about high intensity, low intensity emotions. But suffice it to say that you, if you, you just notice when you're pausing and savoring, notice your own bodily response to different types of emotions. And just know that, um, you know, it might be helpful to actually have a mood meter in front of you. Like joy, for instance, might feel too activating to you right now. And your body interprets that as danger. 
Um, whereas like some lower intensity emotions like gratitude or comfort or um, calm, for instance, might feel safer to you. So anyway, okay. Um, and cultivating gratitude. So in addition to kind of just noticing these little joy snacks and we can actually also intentionally sprinkle a little bit more into our day and week. We can also then practice gratitude and gratitude is just one more way of appreciating what's already good in our lives. Um, and it can, in a way it's like, it can not only help fill up the leaks in our bucket, but I envision it as also almost providing sort of this soothing balm on the kind of scars and broken places or hurting places of our lives. And it reminds us that we don't have to deny the pain. We do not have to deny that there is so much hurting in the world um, or potentially in our own lives, maybe even in our own bodies, but it just provides this little bit of soothing balm and allows us to hold both the good, the beauty, or the beautiful rather, um, and also the other stuff. Yeah. So I think I'm going to end there. Um, actually, I did forget to say that joy grows when it's shared. And oh, there's so much exciting stuff that I would love to share about that. I won't. So I'm just planting that seed. Um, all right. So what I have been enjoying lately, I've been tending to my home. So my I turned 52 this past summer, my 51st birthday. Um, I think that might've been part of my life visioning where I recognized that pouring, putting some love into my home was needed and was going to be one of the ways that I healed after the death of my son. So we put it, we did some big renovations to our kitchen and bathrooms. And, but this school year, I have been just taking care of some things that have been neglected, like um, taking care of plants. Um, oh gosh, it's kind of embarrassing to say. I'm going to say it anyway. Um, I realized this week that my toilet scrubbers were disgusting and probably should have been thrown out like two years ago and I didn't even realize it. Um, so I bought new toilet scrubbers. <laughs> like just like uh, um, I needed a new vacuum. Like just little things that have been neglected because other things needed my attention and energy. And it has felt really joyful to just kind of putter and fill some of these gaps and feel like I am bringing love to my home. And home for me is I think for a lot of us, it's like, it's your safe place, often a sacred place. And it's not about the size of it or the fanciness of the furniture, because I do not have fancy furniture. Um, but it's, it is about, for me, at least, and for many highly sensitive people, for sure, it is like our safe place, like a little bubble. Um, and we want it to feel good, we want our environment to feel for me, nurturing, creative, inspiring, and also some calming spaces. So 
so yeah, so that's what's kind of what I'm enjoying and what it, another thing that's helping me fill up with joy. Um, how to practice imperfect action. I think one of the um, most fun ways, if you are up for it, would be to just test out this idea of sprinkling some joy snacks into your life, kind of the noticing sprinkling combo, start wherever you will. I'd love to hear how that goes. Um, in terms of an invitation, I don't really have a specific invitation for you today, but um, if my work does support you, help fill you up, inspire you, encourage you, etc., then my um, request would be that you simply share it with one person. So, all right, thanks for being here, and hopefully I will be back next week. Goodbye.